Welcome. You're about to listen to a message from LifePoint, a warm, friendly, and vibrant community for the young at heart. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you've had a lovely week. I'm excited. Uh, this morning, we continue our how-to series conversation, and we hope to be able to do this, you know, maybe once a month going forward to address burning issues, salient and critical conversations um, that are necessary to be had in this season. We recognize that people have questions and we want to be able to provide um, answers that are scriptural, uh, scripturally sound, you know, and also practical enough um, that you can run with. All right. So I'm just going to very quickly make welcome or introduce and you all make welcome our guests. Her name is Mrs. Vera Chikeze Oke and popularly known as Wholesome Sexuality on Instagram. It's great to have her with us this morning. Yes, we're very excited. We trust that others would um, join in, would come in, you know, in, in a couple more minutes. So we have a fuller room. And she's here with her lovely husband, Mr. Chike. Thank you so much for releasing her. <laughs> okay, uh, also have fantastic people um, with us here as well. We have Pastor Akedeli one of our pastors. Uh, we have Pastor Falabs. Where's Falabi Noel? Yes. And there's one more person. Please sit here. There's one more person joining us, Dolak Bob, uh, Pastor Dolak Bob, but she's, she's, she has a bit of car, car trouble. So once she comes in, she will just join in. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, again, just for the benefit of everyone who's in the room and, of course, our panelists, I'd like to just remind us why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, today's the last Sunday where we're addressing our Heartful Teaching Series. And we, have, we had three main objectives for this month. One was to help people find strength in vulnerability and openness, to forge stronger ties between people who are in relationships, close companionships, families, and ultimately marriages. And the third was to shape mindsets that will prevent relational bankruptcy and enable wholesome individuals thus strengthening the family institution. We recognize that there's a whole war. The enemy has a, an entire agenda scripted and being executed against the family institution. And as believers, as God's children, it's important that we take a firm stand. Now, we also recognize that in LifePoint, a significant portion of our demography are people who are um, not married, but looking to get married. And so part of what we're doing is to equip you for the journey. Um, so it's healthy companionships, healthy friendships. You know, scripture says that God has created us not for isolation. He sets the solitary in family. So he's created us for community. You know, um, there's a lot that uh, the enemy tries to want to put in front of you to isolate you uh, and prevent you from enjoying the blessings um, and the richness of, of communal living. And we trust that um, those negative mindsets, those strongholds are already being broken. And as you sit back and listen and are ready to engage and interact both in the room and, and the people watching online with your questions, your comments and all, we trust that there will be a lot more enlightening that would happen or enlightenment that would happen today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, so married, 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 recently married. In fact, less than a month married. Are we like what now? Three weeks, 
about three weeks, yeah. So he can still relate with the single game, you know, with all you single people. He can still speak from that perspective, okay? And of course, Dolapo is, uh, is single, so yeah. Um, we had some questions from last week that we couldn't touch, so very quickly we're going to touch on, on, on one of them. Let me see. It says, how do I come out from a friend zone? How to come out from a friend zone? Yeah, so how to come out from a friend zone? You have friend zoned this person, and the person is beginning to see that there, there is potential for more. How do I come out of it? Who's going to go? Um, good morning, everyone. Um, so coming out of, from the friend zone um, situation probably means at the earlier stage, you did not come out with honesty. Your intent, you didn't express your intention, one, or you started as a friend, and then you started developing those attractions, right? Uh, Experience-wise, for me, I think it's just you just have to communicate. You just have to communicate, right? So um, you say what now? Like I'm, I'm so done with being in the friend zone. No, no. So, <laughs> I do no longer want to be. So, I want to be more than friends. So it's more of letting the person be aware that it's no longer. You're taking friendship, you're seeing friendship beyond what it is right now. To say, hey, obviously as a friend, maybe you have been saying, I like you, just general, yeah, friends could like each other. But you say, hey, you need to now say, you know, I like you, and she says, I like you, but no, this time around, it's not the usual I like you. I really, I really, really like you. So essentially what you're saying is a strong weapon to have is being able to communicate, communicate articulate yes. your feelings yeah. at that point in time. Yes. Okay. Has anybody had any experience coming out of a friend zone in the room here? <laughs> Dami, it looks like you want to share. Okay, there's someone behind. Please, can we have a microphone in the audience? Oh, people don't come out of friend zone. Uh, <laughs> yes, the person on the receiving end. We should talk about that too, I agree. Uh, I tried coming out of friend zone, but it didn't go well. <laughs> it didn't, it it didn't go well. Okay, so... Can you tell us specifically what happened? Okay. Very briefly. Um, I've liked this guy for a long time. We've been very good friends back in uni. So when I saw that, I said to like him beyond just friends. Uh, I told him. And he was like, since when? <laughs> so he didn't even notice it. He didn't, he didn't catch it at all. No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> All right, we have someone else. You want to speak from, parts, um, from the perspective of the person who's receiving? Okay, let's take one more comment from the person who's trying to come out. We can't okay. hear you. Okay. okay, good morning, everyone. Morning. So I have been on both sides, actually. Um, yeah, for... <laughs> for the receiving side, um, which one? Okay, the giving side was the other person was telling, was trying to tell me that, oh, we're friends, but this is, for me, it's becoming more than friendship. But interestingly for me, I didn't feel the same way. So he was on the receiving side. That didn't work out well. Then for the other side, I was the one feeling that, oh, okay, this should be more than friendship. But the other person was sort of afraid um, because of a number of reasons, actually. But we decided to let it be at friendship since both parties were not on the same frequency, as it were. 
Okay, we'll take Titi and then we'll take Dami. Uh, sorry, we'll take Natasha, Titi, and Dami. But just again, I don't want us to over to, to dwell too much on this because we have a number of questions. But just to ask though, are we saying it's absolutely impossible to come out of a friend zone? Okay, go ahead. Well, in the context of the question you just asked, actually, being on the receiving end, and even for the person who wants to come out of the friend zone, the question I have to ask to you is, what are you prepared to do if this person does not allow you to come out of the friend zone? Right? <laughs> because you have these feelings and it's, you know, it's good to be honest and get things off of your chest, but if you consider the other person, like we said last week, you have to read the room. Is the person giving off any kind of vibe that they might actually be interested in you? Because sometimes it's good to let those things die with you. You don't have to, you don't have to try. If you want to be honest, <laughs> if you want to be honest, you can be honest, but like, what do you expect will happen? If the person says no, now it's awkward. The person doesn't want to be friends with you again. Are you happy with that? If they say yes, okay, you guys can work it out and that's fine. But I feel like you, you should read the room. You should read the room and have an understanding of what your next level is going to be. If I really, really, truly must let this person know I actually want to be more than friends with them and I suspect that they might have a positive response, by all means, go ahead. If you thought so and actually it wasn't what you thought, what are you prepared to do? Are you still going to now tell the person? Depends on the person because some people will now feel awkward. They actually don't want to be friends with you anymore because yeah. it's somehow for them. Are you prepared to potentially lose that friendship? So you weigh You have to weigh the, the pros and cons. Because sometimes you can have a crush on a friend and after a few months it passes. Do you understand? And you might have lost a friendship based on, I kind of feel attracted to the person now. So I'm just saying, read the room, go with wisdom. That's what I'll say. Love it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, so we'll take Titi and then we'll take um, Dami. Okay, thank you. So for me, yeah, um, I was on the receiving end as well. So this is a friend that I've known for two years. And um, we started liking each other like that. And of course, I was the first person to say, I'm always a chested person, confident one. So I told him that I liked him. And then he said he liked me back. And um, in around June, around my birthday, he hacked me out. And we dated for just one month. And um, yes, one month. And then he called me on September 1st. I remember that was for Lavi's wedding. When I was jubilating in the morning, so in the night, <laughs> so, <laughs> so in the night, like, this guy just called me and he told me that he wants us to go back to being friends, that he doesn't, that he, of course he needs to, that he wants us to go back to being friends and stuff like that. And I'm surprised that up to now for him, okay, you, I am on the side of, okay, you want us to go back to being friends, but for me, I don't see that friendship like that before and I was not regretting, I was I'm still regretting that. I wish I didn't open up to him. I wish I didn't tell him. I wish I had just let him just die there and stuff like that. So he's trying to really get the friendship back, but I'm not really going with the flow. The friendship is not there anymore. He, mm. He's really chasing me, and I don't know what to do. Like, it's right. just somehow. Thank you so much for sharing, Titi. Okay, we'll take Dami last. <laughs> Okay, so um, both sides. Um, for the person that was to, that was telling me, we have been friends for like a year, and to me, this person was my best friend. We're talking every day, every day, and we're going out. And this is the person I was going to be telling. I was already telling how I felt for somebody else. Yeah. And then they now came to tell me that they were liking me. I'm like, one or two is not equal to four, please. <laughs> There's no way, because first, I, I feel like if we move to the next stage, 
that friendship. I think the fact yeah. that you don't even feel the same way that yeah, he does that is, one was already there. No also, that friendship is so because everybody will say, "Oh, but he's your best friend," you know, it's, it's easier. But no, mm -mm. there are some things you can you can tell if your best friend, and there are things that you can tell your boyfriend. That that line it was scatter, and I I pressed, yes. It, I don't I don't believe in being shredded in somebody you're not married to, personally. So, and I can be that with a friend. So once we transcend that, are you know too much? No. Mm -mm. Stay, stay where you can know a lot more, not where, where I have to, you know, where the, where the things I have to tell you. Also, for me, telling the person, uh, I went straight, point blank, and I told him, I know it cannot happen between us. Let's move forward. <laughs> but we're still sort of friends. I'm not sure, but yeah. Me, I'm not, because I know. I know that it's hard. You, this person has friend-zoned me. So, getting out of that zone is not usually very easy. I, but I told him, I said, I think I'm thinking about you a lot more. I don't know if anything can happen, but I'm not looking forward to it. So, let's just move forward. That was, that was me. So, I wanted to just um, speak to that. Um, I, I, I strongly disagree with the fact that, you know, you can share much more with a friend and not with the option. I think it's the person that you potentially be married to, and then you're married to that, you should be able to share anything with. I'm still new at this, but I believe that the best kind of relationship is the one where you always want to be around that person. You, you, you're vulnerable with that person. It just flows naturally, unforced. You know, because there'll be shaking moments, there'll be... I mean, I've my first two, and BWS will know, like my first two, one, two weeks of marriage was a bit shaky for me. But it didn't really matter because I am friends with the person I'm married to. So that's very important. And then to speak about transitioning from the friend zone, I feel like, just like um, this book, Rejection Proof, is. Easier said than done. But you know that skit where they say, how would they know? You know, they want, they got, no, nobody's going to know. The honest truth is, if you feel deeply about somebody, you should be willing to sacrifice um, the, the heartbreak. No, not the friendship. Because... True love for someone, true affection. Just like you said, if it's a crush, then there's no point. But if you truly, genuinely love somebody, if the person tells you, oh, no, I don't see you that way, because you love that person that much, you'll be willing to at least keep on with the friendship. Maybe, you know, with some boundaries, but that I feel like that's what genuine, true love, not the crush that will fade after a while. So you should be willing to at least, Jesus, um, you know, gave his life for you because he loves you so much. And he was sure that you still mess up. So. The pastor has spoken. But I, I mean, I, I hear, thank you very much for that. Please go ahead and, uh, and appreciate him. But I hear um, that it can be very awkward. I mean, after somebody has vomited, or how they are feeling about you. You know, every time you see the person, it will be, be tough to, to vi visualize the person or visualize engagement with the person outside of that 
it would almost be like, I wish that never happened, you know, and there's a way you can. But again, just to buttress what Falabi is saying, if, you, if that re- friendship matters a great deal to you, if it's something you value, perhaps you might also want to put in some work in ensuring you guys move. Maybe you won't go back to where you were completely, but at least um, there's a level of civility and all that you, you guys can continue to adopt. Uh, we'll just have our guests um, ch- chime in on that as well. Okay. Praise God. Um, I had an experience with friend, friendship, I won't say friend zoning. So um, those days when we were waiting to enter the university, I had the best friend, Mill. And um, there's nothing he didn't know about me. There's nothing I didn't know about him. Am I married to him today? No. How we transcended from being friends to me getting married. Like she said, you have a friend where we are, you're my guy. I'm telling you about the guy, right? And then I real, when I realized that there was something awkward was when he was dating people that looked like me. And <laughs> so he was dating so when he tells me there's this girl, because we are friends, so we are dating people, right? So when we come up, we say, ah, this person, this person, this person. I said, ah, let me see her picture. I'm like, ah, I'm looking at myself. Just that I'm not the person in the picture. So I was not on the receiving end of the out of friend zoning, right? I was the one that was getting married. But this person has known about this relationship from the beginning, from the onset. So when we finally got to talk, what he said to me was that he thought it was never going to happen as in I leaving him to get married. I'm like, I was not with you in that sense. But what did it for me is the fact that from the onset of the friendship, as natural as it was, I knew that we could only be friends. Now, he's a great guy, but there are so many other little, little things that we are not taking it for me, right? So on my own side, I knew that this was not my husband. This was just my friend, right? But on his own side, he felt that it was going to be more than that. So the very first time I felt, let's, let's try. Let's see if it will work, right? I brought, I opened up. I said, ah, guy, this is our friendship. What are we doing? What's happening? Where are we going to, right? Ah, we're, ah, we're friends. We've, we finally passed down. Oh, he's going to Zaria. Oh, I'm going to Unilag. And then I'm like, okay, so. So when he said, we are friends, he settled it for me. Do you understand? So if he had any other feeling outside of that, he did not communicate it effectively. So that's where I'm actually going to. So if you say you are friends, there should be, what are we friending? I don't know if you understand me. There's, there's the body language communication and there's the verbal communication. You should be able to say, this is what I'm feeling, and this is what I think we should be. What do you think? If the person is not thinking where you are thinking, please carry your thinking 
to the next level and live the friendship the way it is. It's when you are assuming that this person is having the same kind of feelings as you because you people can share and discuss anything you like. That's where the problem comes in. You are assuming that we are on the same page and both of you are really not on the same page. This guy thinks we are, we are friends. I think that there's something else that can happen. Even if I'm... So some girls do like, they get to date other people and just this their friend with the mindset that just in this friend about this relationship will wake this friend up that I'm going to, right? But you have not effectively communicated it. Yeah. All right, thank you very much for that. Um, I guess, in summary, just read the room. So important. Read the room and don't make assumptions. Now, this question says, how to, well, it's not a question, so it's, again, how to, how to navigate relationships when family or close friends and or close friends are not in support. Has anybody had this experience? You have. Just take it away. Um... So it was part of what I was even going to share while I was preaching. Um, so it was in uni, so um, well-invested relationship, right, um, for two and a half years, um, towards the tail end of my um, stay at the university, um, and everything was working very well, great relationship, um, we did everything, we prayed together, read together, and all of those. And at the tail end, while I was going to NYC, if you just... So we knew there might be issues. Um, she's from Delta, by the way, and I'm Yoruba, right? But we, we, are, we are discussed it, and she said, look, at the right time, our parents, what she knows is they will do everything that will make her happy, right? If she can communicate with them and say, look, this guy makes me happy, we'll go ahead. And at the tail end of it, by the time I left for NYSE, a phone call, she said, look, we need to end it. So for her, it was easier because I'd left the campus, right? So what I would just say is this. I believe family is very important, um, but most importantly, if the partner is not able to push, you can't force it, right? It might be a great relationship, right? But if he or she is not able to say, because sometimes the family, if the reasons are not so strong, as we just tribe, and my dad used to joke, ah, I'm not going to travel hours to go and meet my in-laws. That was a joke, but it was serious. It was serious for them. But for her, she was not able to convince um, them to say, look, I'm really, really happy here, right? So you can't force it. Um, I don't think it's one of the battles you want to take into the family, right? So it's commitment from both of you. Um, but first, is the reason very, very strong? What is the family saying? Is it that strong? Ours wasn't. I don't believe it was to today. <laughs> right, boy. Thank you for that. Uh, do we want to take comments in the room? So I know that typically there are things around ethnicity, uh, things around religion. What else? Why would parents say no to a dating religion? They just don't feel like it. They're not seeing it. Um, so, and then of course, social, social status or social class. Um, okay. <laughs> Physical attributes, we should add that to it. Your mom just doesn't want to see. I've heard one where the mother's, the, the guy's mom says she's short and she's too dark-skinned. And that was the reason for the... That was her reason. 
So, I mean, there are, there are different reasons why parents will say no. Um, uh, but I think we should also touch on your close friends. Has anybody had any experience where your close friends totally did not approve of a particular relationship? I mean, I've heard stories. Um, and you still went and did your knucklehead. I guess, maybe just simply put, we would say, once you can identify, Scripture says there's, there's safety um, in the multitude of counsel, yeah? But once you can identify, especially for your friends, that there is no malicious intent, you know, that this isn't coming from a wrong place. You, you, you know the heart of your close friends, people that you can trust them with your life. It might pay to actually listen um, and hear what they're saying because you're the one who's involved. You're the one who's emotionally involved. So it is very possible that you're not seeing things that they're seeing, you know, and it's useful to pay attention. Now for parents, um, again, just as he said, sometimes our parents make decisions that we don't, um, we, we, they make decisions, it might appear to be flimsy. Uh, they, they the reasons they give might appear to be flimsy. Um, but the benefit we have as believers is to take it to God in prayer. Yeah? Scripture says that the heart of kings are in God's hand and he can chat, it, chat those hearts as a water course. Uh, so if this is something that God totally approves of, you know, he's in it with you, he will find a way to fix the situation and ensure things turn around. But if it is things that your parents are very strong, um, I mean, they've taken a position on. You know, like, so I remember my father used to joke about, um, he used to say jokingly then, but I then realized he was serious. But even though I never had like an Igbo person, I would, again, I love her. My father used to say, like, ah, Igbo, no. When the, God forbid, when the husband, I'm like, why are you so fixated on when the husband dies? The wife then had become something else. She has to cut her hair. She has to do this. You know, I'm like, nobody's husband is dying here. But again, I've not had any strong Igbo content. All the Igbo people that came around were not serious people, you know. So maybe my, my father's prayers just got answered from the onset. Like, let's not even, let, not, let this not become a thing. Let it not even become a problem, you get. But again, it's useful to just recognize, and just as Pastor Akedele has said, if your partner is serious about this, if this is a big deal to the person, if the person is committed, is as committed as you are, then they will speak to their parents. They will push ahead. It's just, I don't, I don't, um, I know people have, under very stringent circumstances, gone ahead to marry despite parents' disapproval, but I encourage as much as possible. Your parental blessings are very important. As much as is, is possible. Yeah, I know they're extreme, sorry. Um, there are times that it's really, ex they're like extreme situations. Yeah, but those extreme situations, please come for counseling when you ever find yourself in that, in that um, place. Okay, let's move on to the next question. Where's Sharon? Her bottle of water. All right, so how to assess sexual compatibility, and is that even a thing? This is actually where we need her to speak, but we'll give her a, a minute to, to get some water. How to assess sexual compatibility. While we're doing that, for her, yes. Uh, but while we're doing that, I realized that the last, the last um, I think the question before the last one, we had quite a number of responses around, you know, best friends and how your best friend is your G, your guy, you know, or your girl knows everything about you and things like that. And then there's now someone else that you're now liking. Um, multimedia, are we ready to roll that short video? Yeah? Awesome. 
Let's watch this video very quickly and then we'll debrief it. We've been friends for a long time. So you're her boyfriend and I'm her best friend. And I feel like until you put a ring on it and you play her husband and her best friend, I'm going to be her best friend. That's to be here and be supportive. Okay. 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 Out to the point where you just say, okay. No, see, and you, listen to me. You at the point where you just gonna say, okay. So he has laid down the law in your relationship. He says, until you put a ring on it, he gonna be here. And I don't feel like that's his place to even say that. You know what? And I, I didn't I'm, come here to go back and forth and play the blame game. We're not gonna play the blame game. I came here to come to a compromise. I'm open. To any ideas, if they want to Okay, make cool. A what you want to happen. <laughs> okay. At the end of the day, what I want to happen is, you know... Okay, I don't think that's the end of the video, but let's, let's move on from there. So, um, guys, question. Who is the real boyfriend in this scenario? So, and again, I know that we have best friends. We have, um, but this was one awkward situation. If you actually watch the full clip, um, the best friend was more confident than the boyfriend. Clearly, the best friend knows everything there is to know about the, the girl. Like, literally playing the role of the boyfriend aside from maybe intimacy, because obviously these guys are all sleeping with themselves and things like that. Maybe that's the only place. That's the only boundary. Like the boyfriend was complaining about the guy shows up on their dates. You know, he's involved in the lives of... The, so the, I think the, the girl has kids. So he literally plays like stepdad role, you know. Now, there's a high likelihood he's been in the picture before the boyfriend came on the scene. So let's talk about this best friend matter. How, how far is <laughs> far? And how do you get to that place where whoever it is you're dating does not become uncomfortable like this? What is, what is acceptable when it comes to setting boundaries uh, in your best friend relationships? Yeah, okay, I have two hands up. We'll take, okay, three. All right, very quickly. Hi, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, with this scenario, it's just clear. Um, boundaries are not set. Um, for the boyfriend now to be very uncomfortable with the best friend, obviously the partner has not been able to set the necessary boundaries. If you're able to set those boundaries, definitely I as the boyfriend wouldn't be uncomfortable with um, the best friend showing up on, on dates. That's ridiculous. <laughs> or, you know, doing the things that, you know, the boyfriend should be doing, you know. So um, to put this in perspective, two people are involved, all of them are involved, they need to take up their responsibilities. Now the partner needs to set those boundaries with the best friend. The boyfriend needs to um, step up his game and um, be the boyfriend. And the best friend should respect the girlfriend's um, decisions. I love that. Respect. Very important. Let's take a female. Sorry. Okay, so 
He said, no boundaries, not, not a boundary in sight. I think whoever the person is, like whether you're the guy or the girl and you have a two girl, best, a girl best friend and a girlfriend or in this situation, before you enter, if, if it gets to a point where you need to consult your, your best friend for anything to do with your, relation, your romantic relationship with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend, that they have more of a say into the kind of decisions that you make, you already have a problem, right? Because what's your end goal with this romantic relationship? Is it only, as Christians anyway, cannot be sex, right? But let's, let's even think about it from that perspective. Why did you choose to then enter into a relationship with this person if you're still, the intimacy that you need, the support and all of that, you're still getting it from somebody else? If it's a case that, okay, maybe I'm not attracted to that person, so I actually feel free enough to speak to them about all these things, then you have to ask yourself, my partner who I want to eventually end up with, how would this make them feel? And if they did this to me, how would it make me feel? Because, for example, me as a woman, right, my male friends cannot call me at a certain time, past a certain time. Like, if you're calling me at... Even like 10, 9 o'clock, I'm like, I don't understand. What, calling me to say what? What are we talking about that you can't tell me during the day? You know, you can't let people feel too, you can't let people feel too comfortable with you. We're not, we're not family. We're friends, yes, and, you know, ride or die and all of that. But there still needs to be level, like boundaries. What's the difference between you and this person? Like I was telling my male friend, he's the kind of guy who has a lot of female friends. He's very friendly. Not necessarily romantically, but he does a lot of things that, like, you know, opening... Things that could be seen as kind, right? But also things that girls interpret, can interpret very differently, like opening doors, holding her hand, you hug you, give you a kiss on the cheek, this and that, and just, just be holding. And I said, and to a point where I actually started having feelings for him, only for one day for him to come to me and say that, oh yeah, this girl I'm talking to, and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. And I pulled him aside. I was over it at that point. I pulled him aside. I said, look, you cannot behave this way to every single girl in your circle because it's giving this. Yeah. when it should not be giving. How will you feel if you now get a girlfriend? Now, what is she going to say? You have to really think about these things. If you don't have boundaries, other people will set them for you yeah. and you won't like where they lie. So I want to just Thank add to much. that. And what comes to my mind is mixed signals. Mixed signals. So I've, and I had to learn that, you know, earlier where people would just either send me some message saying, what are we? And like, we are nothing now. We are just... Uh, you know, what's, you know, and then they'll cite examples, you know, you called me at so-so-so time, you know, you said we should pray together. I'm like, that's what I'm supposed to do, you know, or you asked me to go to this event with you. And I had to learn that you need to actually be very, very clear. And to be honest, I'm talking for guys now, we kind of like the excitement that comes with being you know, chasing or, I mean, people just, ladies just flocking around you. And that, I think that's just a Yoruba demon vibe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. Um, do we have anything online? <clears throat> okay, great. So let's go to the question. I mean, I hope we've been able to successfully uh, land this best friend. Mom, oh, somebody's uh, speaking. Yes, ma'am. Oh, sorry, I didn't see that. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> praise God. On behalf of the station of best friends. <laughs> so again, there may be context missing, but from, you know, the little part that we saw and the addendum you added, 
it would come across as, you see that boyfriend is still under probation, right? Because the level of confidence that the guy was using to tell him that I'm still here, he's almost like, we are not yet sure about you. And if you serve this girl breakfast, I'm the one that would be the shoulder she will come back and lean on, right? Because as much as boundaries need to be set, it's also from a place of, I know this person well enough to know that it's looking like you are not good enough for her. And the honors are on you to prove me wrong. And that's what that video looked like. Because, come on, very few best friends will be that confrontational and like, oh, God, I'm here. I don't know if we get. The point is, there may be subtle uh, messages that are missing, you know, in that level of gas boost. And then, of course, I don't support the showing up on the date part. That one is extreme. But the point is, um, picking up from what he said, you know, boundaries, yes. However, the only reason why, you know, boundaries may not exist is because the guy's foundation or his leg is still shaking. I think that's the crux of what I wanted to add, aside some of the other things that have been said. Yeah, just to add quickly, to this, um, just like he's basically communicated what we're talking about here, but additionally, we think as well that the girlfriend is possibly the one who has given the best friend that sense that he has and that confidence. So again, it's like, as the best friend, from the communication I've received from your girlfriend, we do not think... We are managing you, essentially. That's, that's a valid point of view, actually. Um, it's very possible. But I guess the only thing to add to that, because we do need to create a balance, just in case there's anyone in the room or online who's, who finds themselves currently in, in this space. The two people in the relationship need time to be able to grow, to know themselves. Now, there would always be a benchmark, and the benchmark appears to be this boyfriend. And until... The, ba the boundary, sorry, the best friend, until those boundaries are clearly established where they make their own mistakes in the relationship, they grow together. It will be tough because this guy is constantly in their space. Whether it is that he's trying to prevent a heartbreak or it, essentially the girl has work to do, Sha. And if they are on behalf of the, or well, speaking to the association of best friends in the room, you all need to chill and let people, let your besties in their relationships, let them grow. Pray for them. Give them counsel. Look out for them. You know, where you feel that they're off in their decisions, feel free to provide guidance. But don't be this guy. Because this guy is the boyfriend. That's the original boyfriend there. Yeah. Guys, we have a lot of questions to deal. Okay, very quickly. First, I, I, I really don't think that conversation should be happening. It's not a good look for any of the people, you know. That's why they carry themselves to Steve Harvey. <laughs> I, like, it's too, it's, personally, as anybody in the world, man, woman, you should not manage anyone. If anybody's not, you know, meeting your needs and they are trying to, just let them go. Find the person that will suit you enough for this conversation to not happen. I understand that the best friend is trying to shield his best friend from hurt and all that. But if you are not sure of someone, I mean, going by what they said, if it gets to that point where you, where you know that this person's foundation is not Christ, walk away. 
best. Instead of doing all this, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the sexual compatibility issues. We've had quite a number of questions around, okay, so you know how it is, we're Christians, we're not supposed to sleep with each other, and things like that. So how do I know that this person will sexually satisfy me? Because again, um, sexual satisfaction has been proven to be one of the leading causes, according to research, of divorce, of breakups, of, you know, adultery and things like that in marriage. So, we want to help our Christian brethren. How do we assess? And is that even a thing? <coughs> Praise God. <coughs> okay, first things first, to clear the air, sexual compatibility does not exist. <laughs> Sexual compatibility does not exist. Secondly, sexual compatibility is not found, it's built. So, <clears throat> sorry, I'm just trying to clear my throat. So, as a single person, all the degrees and certifications you are gathering, you are checking, is this one, does this one have staying power? Is this one big enough? Is this one soft enough? All those things you are gathering. So you end up spending your singlehood with different species. And then you end up with one bomboy that cannot meet up to all those species. What you have done is that you have, you have built a certain level of sexual appetite that one human being can never meet up to. So when you say sexual compact, because we hear it more in the singledom. Yeah, sexual compatibility. That's why I first started by it does not exist, right? It, it's not found, it's built. So when you get into the marriage, so to clear that single part of it, I always tell people that nobody honors God and has regrets. If God has said, this is the way, and you genuinely go that way, you would not have regrets. The question keeps coming up. So what if we now get married on the wedding night, I now notice this, I now notice that. Yes, the questions keep coming up. You will go back to the person that gave the instruction that you obeyed. I don't know if I'm making any sense to you. You go back to the person that gave the instruction which you obeyed and hold him to that word. You have said, you said that I should keep myself for marriage. I have kept myself for marriage. Now we are here. How do we move forward? Right. So when you have entered the marriage, there are three C's I usually give. I call them the three C's of compatibility because everybody wants to use the compatibility word. So how do you build it? First is commitments. Marriage gives you that bedrock of commitments. You are not married, you're not com you're not married to some, you can't be married to somebody that you're not committed to. Right, the difference between sex in marriage and sex outside of marriage is commitments. Chop and clean out. I don't have anything, I don't owe you any explanation. I'm not responsible for you. I'm Jonathan. But when you are in marriage, right, you are committed to pleasing and pleasuring each other. It's about two of us, it's not about me, it's not about you. Right? So on that foundation of commitment, the next C is communication. 
So everybody, God has deposited a certain level of desire and fantasies. I tell people, that I'm, when people ask, are you honey or holy? I say both. <laughs> both. I'm both holy and honey. When we get into the honey aspect, the holiness will help the honeyness to be fulfilled. Right? So, <clears throat> so when you say you are both, God did not put that in you for you to pray it away. There are other things that we, we use our prayer points for. It's not to pray away honeyness. It has been deposited in you to fulfill a certain desire at a certain stage in your life, which is marriage. And it's not for you to fulfill yourself. Somebody will help you fulfill that. So when you get there, after you are now committed we are married, we are committed. Now we communicate. I have this desire. I have this itch. I have this fantasy. I've imagined this. I've imagined that. You don't keep it to yourself. You communicate it effectively with your spouse. You don't expect or assume that he or she should know. That's where, <clears throat> that's where we usually have the bridge. Right? So because I'm honey, in quotes, Right, I think or expect that my husband would just know that I'm honey. It doesn't work that way. You need to communicate effectively what you feel, what you want, and how you want it done. Um, then the when, third C when, is... Me, I just have a question here. So when does this communication start? Is it when you're in the relationship or when you're married? Can you start okay. to communicate it when you are in the relationship? Okay, so... The communication during the relationship is not with your friend. The communication during the... Now, we're talking... I'm assuming now that you're saying the relationship is courtship. That is, we are on the road to marriage. So, not that we are dating. Courtship is from when your intention for marriage is made known to the dates you get married. So, there has to be an end point of the courtship. Now, so this communication starts when we are finding out deeper things about each other, right? You can now start saying things like, um, I think, right? Or, um, so women normally feel some sort of sensation when they are ovulating, right? You begin to express things like, I... I, I I kind of feel funny around this time of my month. I kind of feel this. I kind of feel that. I think, why I'm using the word I think is because the assumption is that I'm talking to two virgins. Right. Nobody has explored anybody. That's the assumption. Now, if there has been some sort of exploration and you decide, okay, we're not doing this again, you already know that these are the things that turns you on and these are the things that excite. You already know your triggers. So you begin to explain those things. But I usually advise that these conversations are hard with a mediator, marriage counseling, a counselor that will help direct the, how I put it, that would help direct the, well, the way the conversation is going, right? In my church, we don't talk about, we don't do the sexual conversation until um, one week to the wedding. I will say why. If I'm your counselor and I have that sex class with you, it's only the Holy Spirit. 
It's only the Holy Spirit that will not allow you to go and try out. Do you understand me? So there are reasons why these things are done. So like I said, um, communication, you communicate your needs. I was actually talking about sex and marriage. And then the third C is compromise. The things you want to do might not be the things I want to do. But because I'm committed to pleasing and pleasuring you, right? Okay, you want seven times a day. I want three times. Can we start talking about four? How about five? How do, you, how do we meet, have a In common Nigerian ground. economy? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Please go ahead. That was a joke. So, yes, yeah, so that actually comes with sex drive. Some men have higher. Well, men have higher. Some women have higher than their man. In question, right? So if you've been able to communicate this need, then we see that, okay, how do we, where's the meeting point? So you can see that over time, with these three C's, right, things, you begin to have a meeting point. You begin to find out that it's not about you, it's about pleasing this person. Okay, this person likes it this way, I don't like it this way, but because this is my spouse, and I'm obligated or I'm committed to pleasing my spouse, right? Okay, I can do it this way today, and we may not do it like that the next day. That's compromise. Be willing to bend backwards to please your spouse. These are the three steps by which sexual compatibility can be built. All right, thank you so very much. So, again, I know I'm hearing a lot of chuckles. Um, we recognize that we live in a, very, in a highly sexualized world, yeah? Where there are no boundaries, there's nothing. I mean, even from adverts these days, it's already promoting an agenda. Um, but let's be clear, the conversations we're having, um, we, the assumption is that we're having them with believers, right? We're having them with people who have chosen to honor God with their bodies. Um, your, your sexual organs are not your... In fact, how do you be your what, what do you call those things? Your, the organs that you have as either male gender or female gender, they are not your most powerful sex organs. It's your mind. Yeah, it's your mind. Okay. So with everything that she said, we, I mean very spot on. But I know that some people in the room are still feeling and thinking that, okay, um, I've heard stories. I remember when I was in uni, some guys much older you know, um, met him through a friend of a friend and all that. By the time I was hearing his gist, he liked me. But the reason he liked me, I, 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 well, let's not go into that. But bottom line was he, he was divorced um, and it was based off of sexual incompatibility. When I drilled down, it was a function of, okay, so they were both born again. In fact, the person I was telling me the story was saying it in a very mocking way. Like all these Christians that would say don't sleep with each other. Maybe if they've slept with themselves now before marriage they would have found out that the woman is frigid and something, something. Bottom line, holy girl, Christian girl, virgin, the guy married her and she just did not want to have sex because for her it was, I mean, and I was asking questions even at my young age then. I was like, this doesn't make sense because this is not a, this, so frigidity can be resolved. You know, it's not, was there, was there a past experience? Was there a case of an abuse in her life? Did, did the husband make any attempt? Did they seek counsel and they go for therapy? You know, did they see a professional therapist to try and drill down to understand? So um, there's a way our world has 
positioned or postured as though if you were a virgin, you are the, um, what's the word now? You are the losing end of, of, of the matter. When you get married, you're, you don't have any experience and all. But that's, that's, that's a lie of the devil. Because again, the, the, the enemy's work is to pervert the truth. God ordained sex. Let's be clear. God is not, is, how, do, how do we say it in counseling? He wants, you to, he wants to talk to you about sex. He wants to be involved in your, in your sexual life as a married person. He wants to be involved in your sex, in your marriage. So there's a way we separate God from our sexual issues. I've heard stories, guys, and I've been opportunity to also counsel in that regard, where people get married and it's a function of, oh, I think the guy has an, maybe an impotency issue or whatever. Now, first of all, as a, a guy, if you are dating someone or you like a girl, let's be clear, because we still want to be real in these conversations, right? If you are dating a girl and you really like her and there is no part of your body, we have men here, that moves, then maybe you should go get, get a health check. Even without liking the girl. Or you even see a girl. So again, I'm trying to assume that the men here are not Randy. No, no, so no. So it's no. not everything is cat. No, it's, 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 it's not every woman naturally. That, that makes you, naturally. that turns you on. But there are women that must turn you on because of the way you've been wired. Since it's not even about the turning on. Naturally, a man, if you cannot have, so there's morning, early morning erection. I'm saying uh -huh, it's that you actually. all know it. All the men here, you know it. If you don't have a consistent early morning erection, at least five out of the seven days of the week, see your doctor. No, seriously, because these are some of the things that you need it's, to... It's not so the, the woman As the woman in. takes care of her biology. So I don't know about the frequency. Let me not lie. I don't know how often it should be, but she's the expert and she has said it. From with science backing, yes, you know, the information. Yes. See a urologist. My own is if let's if you're not even having any more, you like a woman, and there is no part, there's nothing that as in please go and just get yourself checked. Now, for guys that you know you have a health condition, and this is not to attack, this is not a gender conversation, but you know you have a, a health, you know, condition that needs to be worked on. So, what I mean by health condition is there is a potential. Um, erectile dysfunction, maybe you've been, you've been very sexually active in the past, you're currently, don't go and set up a woman for problem. Open your mouth and speak, seek help. Because we see marriages today that are falling apart because, again, they come back to the altar and they come and blame God and say, God, you set me up to fail. Meanwhile, two people were in a relationship, there was no honesty, there was no communication. Erectile dysfunctions can be fixed. It can be addressed medically. And it can also be addressed with prayer. So whether it's a function of a, type, a certain type of lifestyle that has been lived in the past, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, just be true to yourself and recognize that you're not trying to set somebody, you're not trying to, you know, cause problems for, for someone else. Now, what's the equivalent for the woman? Whether it is frigidity issues, you know, when it comes to sex and sexual matters, you don't even want to hear the sound. Of, you don't want to hear. You don't want to. You are not even inclined in that direction. Have you even tried with the, amongst your girlfriends? Because, of course, when people talk about, oh, I like this guy, I like this guy. 
Maybe there's certain types of conversations that come up and you don't feel in a, a certain way or the thought of sex just even scares you and you want to get married. It's a good time to start to have counseling conversations. Go see a therapist. If there are issues in your past that need to be addressed, if you've suffered abuse, my heart goes out to you. But there's a high likelihood that that is perhaps one of the things that is causing that fear and phobia. And so, for you, you are not, it's, it's not even anything that can, it, 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 you know that potentially it can cause problems in your first couple of months or even first few years of marriage. We've seen couples struggle significantly and the man is like, we've been married and I've not been able to touch her for, and we've been married for X number of months and she's not letting me touch her. So when you, went, when you decided to marry, what was your plan? To continue the best friend relationship in the marriage. So communication is very important. Now, for people who feel like, even with all of these things said, I still need to be able to ascertain to a reasonable degree if this person would, would, would. The question is, against what? What are you benchmarking against? This sexual satisfaction is being compared to what? If both of you have never had sex, there, there, it's a clean slate to build your own stories and create your own memories. But if one person has been sexually active, then you would need to, and you know the person you want to marry is someone who's never, you would need to lower your expectations. The only thing that, you, yes, let me explain what I mean by lower is this, because just as she said, so you dated X person, person is a great kisser, knows how to smoosh very well. You, you dated this person, this person does it in a certain way from the back and it excites you. You dated this one. By the time you now marry the one that has never done anything, your expectations are like this. And then you start to struggle and you still you feel frustrated. Guys, we're telling you stuff that is real. Or it's a function of um, I'm marrying someone who's never had sex before, but I've had sex. And then you have certain um, desires based off, maybe based off of experience. But you can't communicate why you don't want to feel judged and condemned in your marriage. Because you feel like the person is only going to keep looking at you through the lenses of your past. Communication is very important. Active listening. Then prepare your minds to explore together. There is no case for exploring before marriage, guys. It's, it's, it causes more harm than good. If somebody has a differing opinion on this particular one, feel free to share. But I'd like Dolapo to speak to this a bit and then we'll, we'll, we'll take Sharon's question. Because Dolapo, I mean, you're single and I feel like you can be able to share some insights. Um, I have a, a question we also need to address very quickly. But let's listen to Dolakwa. I will take Sharon's comment. Okay, so I, I feel that, um, so that was what the question I was trying to ask her about preparation for marriage. I know that this conversation needed, needs to be had in marriage, but uh, I also like the clarity that um, PWS has put that there are some conversation that you need to have. So for someone that you've been abused in the past, you need to, um, let your partner know this, have been raped, and I know that if I'm getting into a relationship or if I'm, getting, if I'm in a relationship that leading to marriage, this is something that we need to actively talk about. We need to be prepared for, do you understand? So when people have struggles uh, in areas of their life, as, even in your relationship, you need to start to see the way that you can manage expectation and also share your expectations. I'm not married, but I read a lot about sex, I follow sex page and I'm not, I'm not, I've not experienced it, but I know a lot. 
and I'm not a novice, but a lot of people, and I've had friends get into marriage that really novice, don't know anything. And I see a lot of pages that talk about sexual relationship, and people ask questions. I'm like, I'm not even married, but I can't ask this question. So I think that is even as you're waiting or you are not in a marriage relationship, you need to harm yourself. You need to be aware about some things, and you are not really a novice, novice in some really in, in sex matter, sex relation, and um, sex conversation. So even readiness for marriage, things that you need to know. A lot of women, a lot of friends have gone ahead of me, just getting to marriage, and they are really very blank and blank. I'm like, how is it that you don't know this? How is it that you don't know this? How is it that you are having this conversation after marriage? So I think that everyone is responsible for their own sexual education, and there is a level. So I'm not saying just go and harm yourself and start to watch things. I don't watch things. I watch educational um, content, you understand, just to be aware and for me to know so you don't then put yourself into trouble. But I think that everybody's responsible for their own um, education and just be armed with information and don't just go into marriage blank and not do anything. And I, another question that I would like to put, I remember when I was in school, I lived in a girl's hostel and people can be really wild. I remember one girl told me that her boyfriend could not penetrate for a long time, and she was not even a virgin. And she said she tried and tried and tried and tried. I remember that for me, that kind of stood, um, that, that memory kind of stayed with me that what if you are hooked in a marriage with this kind of person? But now I'm, I, I'm more enlightened and I know better, but these are real issues that people go through in relationship, even conversations that people have. I know of a friend that uh, she was not able to have sex for like three months, four months, until they went to counseling. Will that have been prevented? Yes, probably if they were more equipped, aware, and then have some conversation. And that's why I was thinking that, um, I was asking if certain conversations should be had in relationship before marriage. Sorry, please. Just, just to mention, again, she, she's very spot on, and I like the balance she's brought to it. You need to, as much as it is that you're seeking to know, you need to protect your heart, protect your mind. Don't feed your mind with the wrong things, especially if you know that you're coming out from a place where you are easily triggered. Be true to yourself. If it is, you know that any little content, some people, kissing sin triggers you and sets your mind in different directions. You recognize that, then avoid it completely. Be safe first. Um, God has instituted marriage. Marriage is, you know, it's supposed to be till Jesus comes or till death do us part. Are we together? there's a lot of time for exploration. And you must be prepared to give it the work that it requires. There is a whole lifetime to explore with your partner. Explore different positions, explore whatever. There is a lifetime of exploration. Okay, um, let's take Sharon quickly because we need to move on to the next question. Okay, um, so this whole sex conversation is sounding like an on and off switch to me. And I'm coming from a perspective of the girl who was raised in a home where um, conversations about sex was don't have sex before marriage. If you come um, with a baby in your stomach, you will quit school, you will sell tomatoes on the road, you will sell pepper and all of that. And it's been drilled in your mind. And I've had conversations with friends who had that same upbringing. And then the conversation when they were about to get married is when your husband wants sex, just give it to him. It sounded like an on off switch. How do you move, like sort of change that mindset um, from now until marriage? Because all the advice sounds great, but it, just, it doesn't sound practical. 
to someone like me who's grown up fearing sex because I don't want to sell Pepe on the road. Which is what which is what these guys here were saying. I'm not pointing at anybody. <laughs> but they were saying that this sounds like a very this sounds like a conversation for married people. And it doesn't necessarily address some of the issues that we have as... We're single. going into what single people address. Ah, okay. But okay. This, this part of the conversation is, first, is to address two things. One, to help whoever it is that you're considering getting married, um, how to begin to prepare. That's one. Number two is everyone who's single here, except there's anyone who feels like, I'm never going to get married at all. We're trying to speak against the need to engage in premarital sex because there's plenty of time to explore to assess compatibility. There's even nothing like compatibility. You build, um, just as we've been told. So that's that. Now, to address the questions about single people, let's talk about coping mechanisms while you're waiting to get married. We recognize that there are quite a number of coping mechanisms that people indulge in. You know, so there's pornography, there's masturbation. People are trying to find an outlet for all of the pent-up sexual urges and emotions and all that that you have. Are we together? Now we are addressing the one you want to hear and you are not listening. Yeah, so there is that. Um, the question is, so how do I stop or how do I avoid? What do I do with all of the emotions? All of the, you know, testosterone, well, test, yeah, that test thing? Yeah, how do I deal with it? Uh, estrogen, you know, I like somebody and I feel all of this rush of chemicals. How do I not end up masturbating. After all, I'm not hurting anybody, right? Because that's what they say. In fact, they say masturbation is Christian sin. It's only the Christians that I'm typically guilty of it. That's what it is. That is what they've said. Why? Because to the Christian, it is that I'm not sleeping with anybody, but at least I'm, I can pleasure myself. So self-pleasuring as a coping mechanism, uh, pornography as a coping me mechanism. How do we deal with this? Okay, so I'll just start by sharing exam, um, um, issues that I've had with my friends or counseling things I've done. I think with pornograph, with masturbation, I think it's very easy for a lot of people to fall into it, for both men and both women. Ladies masturbate, men masturbate. And I think for in just working with people, have a friend that constantly masturbates, and I got to know, and then we started talking, and she just tells me that, she really feels she's not doing anything wrong, although she has heard that it's wrong or has been wrong before, but she really feels that she's not doing anything. But I have other friends, and then just so we had conversations and counseling over that. And then for men, trying to counsel men and bring them out of masturbation, and it's usually like a long or long conversation. What I'll say to anyone that is going through uh, addiction, sexual addiction, especially masturbation, is to... First, the first thing you need to do is to just speak out. I think healing starts when you just speak out to seek counsel and to seek help. And then when you're seeking the help, you need to be vulnerable. But how do you, just that by the side for people that are really struggling with it, but how do you manage it? So as a single person, I have vulnerable conversation with my friends, especially friends that Can I pause you a bit? To, because you've used yeah. words like healing, you've used words like, uh, you know, coming out of it and all. I think what we, what we need to even do is to establish a background for this because I've had, um, I've had people ask questions around, is it even wrong? Yes. So let's provide a... Con let's, let's, so we know where we're speaking from. Let's provide the background and set a context for this. Because somebody is saying healing, 
Um, I mean, she's saying healing and as on in their mind is struggling to understand. How is this even wrong? Yeah, please go ahead. Okay. And then so, we'll come back to you. Sex was not... Sex is God. Sex is created by God. So when he created everything, he said, he looked around and said, it's all good. That means that sex is good. But the context of the sex is where the issue is. So sex is good in marriage with your own spouse. Because some people now, when you say sex is good in marriage, I'm married, that means I can have sex with another person. No, in marriage with your own spouse. There was nothing God created for your own satisfaction. Leave sex now. Everything God made was for you to be enjoyed or to be shared with somebody, even the gospel. When we receive the gospel, is to spread it, to share it with the next person. So sex was not created for one person. The first introduction of sex in the Bible was when God created Eve. He didn't, he didn't ask the instruction he gave Adam after Eve was be fruitful and multiply. And multiply. That's sex, right? He did not give that instruction when the, he was with the animals. He didn't give that instruction when he was playing around naked in the garden. It was until Eve was brought to him and he recognized Eve. Then the instruction was given, be fruitful and multiply. That says to me that sex is between a man and a woman. Sex is between two people that have established marriage. Now, the, the, the disadvantages of masturbation is this. You are pleasuring yourself. And in the long run, it starts as fun. It starts as excitement. It starts as it's satisfying. It's interesting. It's beautiful. You are exploring. But the tail end of that act is the fact that no per, nobody would be able to satisfy you. So aside from all the other health issues, yeah. erectile dysfunction and all whatnot, and um, pre, premature ejaculation, nobody will be able to satisfy you because you will not even be able to explain this place I have touched. How do you tell the next person that this is where you should be? Do you, I don't know if you're getting me. So these are the disadvantages of masturbation. Now, you've masturbated for a while, you've enjoyed it, and then you get into marriage. Or even still as a single person. The thing about masturbation now is you started with... Um, one hour, and then you have an ejaculation. And then, because you are stealing, you are taking something that you know that is wrong, you are doing something that is wrong, the time frame at which you do this begins to reduce. So you are hiding. You begin to isolate yourself. You begin to have low self-esteem. You cannot come out to the public and say, this is what I'm doing. Or you cannot do it in front of anybody, Right? Can you now see that it's having a ripple effect on you as a human being? In as much as you think you are enjoying it, in the tail end, you are damaging yourself socially, medically, emotionally, and otherwise. Right. So how do you, like um, Pastor Bosola earlier established, the greatest sex organ is your mind. Some people will say, but I don't watch pornography. 
and I just masturbate. The thing of this is that you cannot masturbate effectively without having a mental image, without having a mental picture of what you want to, what you want to attain or what you want to be doing, basically. So your mind has already been corrupt before you even get into the physical acts. So if we, first, things, what, first thing we try to do with people that are already in this act is first to shed light on it, right? First accept that, okay, I do this, and I know it is wrong. That's the first stage, acceptance. The second stage is now rewiring of the mind. Rewiring of the mind, right? We, we, we start by telling you that first you are good enough. You've done something wrong, yes. But let's move forward from this. It doesn't, the fact that you have done this does not change the fact that you are God's child, right? But it's, it's limiting you from heights and greater things you can do as a single person or as a married person. So we start trying to rewire the person's mind. The Bible says as we look into the word, the mirror principle, as we look into the word, we, we continually change and transform into what we see and we become, right? So we try to get to work on the person's mind. Then for somebody that is thinking of trying it, please don't even try it. It's, you are setting a trap for yourself. I actually wanted to address something you said when you talked about the, um, the older person that was married and had an issue with the marriage because of sexual issues. And you're saying that um, probably they bring it back to the church and say, if we, had met, if we had done it before we got married. I'm a living testimony. I got married a virgin to a virgin. And today, I'm a sex part. My being a virgin did not, or being a virgin should not limit what you can and cannot do in marriage. That was why I started by saying that the fact that you honor God means that as the honoring God means you cannot have regrets. But the fact that the issue most people have is the first thing that sex is dirty and we don't blame them because of the perversion of the world right now. If God created this thing, he said everything he made is good. Therefore, it is good, right? It's in the context of what you are doing or how you are doing it. So long as you are in that confines of marriage, God is not holding a microscope or a touchlight to check what you are doing inside your marriage bed, right? Whatever you are doing in your marriage, so long as you and your spouse are in agreement, no blame, no, no, um, no blemish, no shame, no, not detrimental to your health. You are good to go. So you have a lot of time. The benefits of being a virgin is, is limitless. You are coming into marriage without, um, with your own marking scheme. So you are, you are the person that, you are coming in a, plain, a, a clean slate. You are the person setting your marking scheme. You are the person saying, this is what we are going to do. Then let's try this tomorrow. Oh, let's do this, let's do this. So long as both of you agree. But when you have, when you have prior knowledge, perverted knowledge, you now hold somebody, somebody's innocent child, to, you know, you hold the person to a certain standard that the person can never be able to meet. 
So these are, these are the disadvantages of having or thinking of having sex before. Coping mechanisms. We all have we all have emotions. We all, all have testosterone. We all have raging hormones, right? But you know the thing about sex is when you are having sex, your heart rates increases, right? There's a certain level of excitement and stuff that comes with it, right? That can be likened to exercise, fitness. These are the exercise, essentially. Yeah. Get yourself a pair of running shoes. Go and walk run. out. Walk out. Walk out. Take a cold shower. Go you under. Have a, you have an you urge. You need to burn the energy. Yeah. Go into the shower. Run. Not take water if upon you yourself. If you used to masturbate and you're, if you're currently dealing with any form of sexual addiction, yeah, you the thought comes to you. The action is about to start. Change position. You're not a tree. Get up from that place and, and move. move. Just do something. Change environment. Call a friend. Find an accountability partner. Yes. Sin it, thrives in secrecy. It thrives in secrecy. Put light on it. Tell somebody, see what I'm struggling with. Do. I mean, but we are here. That's why wholesome sexuality was created in the first place. We are here to, cre- to give out wholesome sexual content. We call it sex the God way. Right? So like she said, as a single person, you want to know how do you do this? How do you do that? What should you do? Come. If you are dealing with an, a certain level of abuse, like I wanted to say about that lady, right? When I said that the greatest sex organ is the mind, first experiences can make or mar your, 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 your future experience, right? So if the person was abused, it can cause frigidity. Yeah. If the person... The person might have not been abused, but the person has heard of somebody else's experience. It can actually cause frigidity. So we always say, heal before you deal. Don't bring somebody else into the, with, into come and carry Find the baggage help. that you're Find already help, carrying. Right? It's very important. Get help. Go. Seek help. And, and just to wrap it all up, again, we had said that from the beginning. Um, God is interested in your sexual innuendos, whatever it is that you're currently dealing with, he knows it. You're not hiding anything from him. What he doesn't want, scripture says in Proverbs, stolen waters are what? They are sweet. Bread eaten in secrecy is tasty. And that is what the enemy, that's the agenda. That's, that's, that's the, the thing that the enemy pushes out, perverts that which God has made that is good and is pure and is holy, perverts it. And so we think everybody is doing it. It's okay for me to do it. I'll just come back to God and tell him, I'm sorry. He'll forgive me. I'm under the dispensation of grace. Guys, we're shortchanging ourselves when we continue to live with that mindset. Remember, these conversations have been had from one singular place. Being able to honor God. You honor God with your minds. You honor God with your bodies. You honor God with your intellect. You honor God with the works of your hands. With everything that it is that you are. We need to be able to honor God with these things. And he honors us in return. He's faithful. He doesn't set us up to fail. So if there are currently fears that you're, you, you have about marriage, about sex in marriage and things like that, there is no room for his misplaced fear. Job will say the thing that I have feared the most has come on. It's unnecessary fear. It's the devil joy. We're trying to pander to, unne- to emotions and to fears that are not valid. Because yes, somebody has said it. So we have opportunities for counseling. 
you want to talk to someone, you're currently struggling with any, any sort of sexual addiction, please see Pastor Dolapo after, after this. See, see any of people on this, on this panel session after today's service, okay? Um, you want to talk to someone, you want to, you need help, we will be able to guide you appropriately. You need someone to pray with. Um, and on that note, I'd just like for us to just pray very quickly. We've said a lot. We've said a lot. And I, I believe very strongly that there is something in here that, you know, has been a direct word, an instruction, a, 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 a rebuke or a, re, uh, yeah, a rebuke for someone, a correction for someone here this morning. Would you go ahead and just present yourself to God again? Present your heart to him. And ask him where you require healing, ask that he would heal you. Where you've suffered any form of abuse, any form of emotional damage, trauma, you know, where you've suffered rejection, whatever it is that you, you've, you've experienced that is currently limiting you. Part of what we've done this morning is to be able to pull down strongholds, to shine the light of gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ on issues that we believe are a big deal in our generation. Some people have gotten to this place where they feel like, oh, yeah, sex is overrated, marriage is overrated, and so many positions and postures in our hearts that we've taken. Go ahead and talk to God this morning and ask him for help, ask him for grace. If you're that person who needs to be free from any form of sexual addiction, whether you masturbate, whether, you know, some people masturbate now just even uh, as a way to sleep. Scripture says he gives his beloved sleep. You don't need to. You don't need to indulge in any sort of vice to be able to get sleep. So would you go ahead this morning and just present yourself to him and present your heart and say, Father, do your work in me. Holy Spirit, I, I ask that I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life again. Come and do a quick work of righteousness in me. In the name of Jesus, heal me from this thing that threatens my peace, threatens my marital destiny. Uh, this mast masturbation, deliver me. He break me this morning. God is in the room. He's, in, he's here online as well. Ready to set free, ready to deliver. But would you go ahead and just present yourself to him and ask every, you submit every thought, every mindset, every struggle we pull down. We bring them into subjection to the obedience of Christ in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your work here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for healing, healing every heart, healing every heart. In the name of Jesus, opening eyes to see what it is that you have created that the enemy has tried to pervert, to see it in all of its beauty, to see it in all of its glory, and to position to also be beneficiaries of this blessing of marriage, of this blessing of the family institution. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, our Father, and we just give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Thank you so much, everyone. Please, let's go ahead and appreciate our guest, uh, Mrs. OK, uh, Wholesome Sexuality. Thank you for listening. We hope that the message has blessed your heart. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng. For more information about us and all our other resources, please visit www.lifepointng.org.